Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The world of work has changed dramatically and organizations are evolving. A full or part-time MBA from UCD Smurfett School equips managers to react at pace and deliver change. Now is the time to transform your career and gain a new business network. Join our virtual MBA experience day on Saturday, November 20th. Register at smurfettschool.ie forward slash events. UCD Michael Smurfett Graduate Business School. Developing impactful business leaders. Welcome everybody to Blood and Mud, the podcast that records while both hosts do the Matera hacker response face. Yeah. You can't constantly. see it, ladies and gentlemen. But That's what we're doing, 100%. From start to finish. Weirdly, even before he did it. Yeah. That was just the natural we, face we pulled. We looked at each other with that slightly deranged half smile. Mm. Um, anyway, Which, I am Lee. <laughs> you are. You are, drangedly half-smiling. And over there, speak. with the Matera face on, is... Is Josh, still, yeah. But the thing is, even though we are doing it, in no way would he consider it to be not respect. No, no, it's 100% respect. It's, it's the most respectful sort of half-sneer you could imagine. And you know that he will not handle... He doesn't He doesn't tolerate that, old Pablo. No, 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 of course not. Um, We've done the introductions, haven't we? That's about as far as we go. Yeah. So, <laughs> what have you been up to? Anything good? Uh, not a lot. I watched that um, Dan Leo's uh, documentary over the weekend, Oceans Apart. Yeah, was, so did uh, I. Do we, oh. want to, do we want to get that re- that revved up this early? Yeah, let's. I mean, yeah, fuck it. Why not? I mean, <laughs> let's talk about Oceans Apart. For those who don't know what Oceans Apart is... I imagine people listening to this podcast know what it is. You probably do, but in case you missed it, because it's only been out since the weekend. Yes, last uh, week, wasn't it? Yeah. It's Dan Leo, who uh, former Samoa captain, uh, former London Irish and various other teams player, uh, and obviously head of Pacific Rugby Player Welfare, which mm-hmm. is an unofficial player union, which is my favourite kind, if I'm brutally honest. Um, 
In fact, and it should be the only kind that exists. All, yeah. <laughs> I don't understand how official all, player unions... All unions should be unofficial. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, it's a documentary basically about the state of Pacific Islands rugby in terms of its finance and politics and structure and also the wider impact that world rugby and the tier one nations have had in exacerbating that status quo and indeed making it worse and i level with you i what it's only an hour long it is only an hour long yeah i'm not usually one for watching the credits of things i usually just turn (laughs) things off (coughs) but i i genuinely watched the credits i wasn't even watching the credits it just finished and i just sat there for about five minutes just being really angry and really cross and just just really not feeling very good about rugby. Um, yeah, it's just it's an important one to watch, I think. But it's a it's one that I would not expect to feel brilliant about after you finish if you enjoy this sport like what we do. The person who summed it summed it up the best in it for me, for those of you going to watch it, is the, the, he's not in it for long. But Eliotta Fimaono Sapulu's in it, and he's fuming. Yes. About oh, most is, things all the time. Is, yeah, I was going to say, his default state is fuming. However, he, he completely hits it on the head and talks about the fact that you can talk about individuals here and individuals there, but what they've got is a massive institutional structure to completely deny the Pacific Island role, their full role in world rugby. That's the top, top and bottom of it. Even down to the point at which when they talk about, oh, you can't give them more money because the unions are corrupt, which is the absolutely... Fucking straight from central casting, bog standard, you're too stupid to run your it's own affairs. 100%. Paternalistic he, you know, thing. As absolutely not an, a, a thick man at all, he's right in there with going, well, yeah, it's just the perfect excuse for them. They can, you know, by maintain, uh, by not doing anything about the rampant corruption and dodgy fucking political shit that goes on behind the scenes, it's another excuse for them to basically treat you like a child. I thought, I can't remember her name, but the feet, like Samoa's only... Female, oh, the board, female member, board member, yeah, um, that that he uh, interviews at one point. She describes it as as the relationship between world rugby and the islands as basically like an emotionally abusive marriage, and like that because you know as as you say because you know world rugby are basically threatening to leave every time they ask for something or do something. You know, world rugby turns around and threatens to withdraw funding, hmm. and you know it's a. You know, it's 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 important to talk about things in these terms, and it's not easy, often easy because it's quite emotive and quite sort of ex- thing to describe it as an abusive marriage. But you know, it's accurate from a a point of view of when you look at it. You know, yeah, you know, these world rugby relies on the islands a terrifically massive amount. In and when he lays out the numbers at various points throughout this, yeah, the number of players that are. Dotted around the world yeah. playing for other nations. Tonga has so. the most per capita professional athletes than any other place in the world. Boom. I mean, I will say some of them are second generation and stuff. So that you know, but yeah. but what they've done but is, still. <laughs> but they've allowed that that from a Sapolo um, point is they've willfully they're will they, they, even if they didn't willfully create it, they're now world rugby and, and the big the big players in in world rugby are willfully allowing a situation where they've effectively created a, an umbra- a structure that's like a an irresistible honey trap for island yeah. players. 
it's a, it's basically a Gordian knot of exploitation, isn't it? You know, it's like the fact that at the start he says that like twenty percent of the Pacific Islands GDP comes from professional rugby mm. players sending money back to their families. It's a stat that I still cannot get my fucking head around. I had to pause it for five minutes just to think about that. 20% of the entire GDP of, you know, there's what, one point something million people across the three islands. Mm. And 20% of that GDP is to do with literally people sending money, you know, going overseas and and earning coin and sending it back to the islands. And that's like, exploitation is a word that people often shy away from regarding the relationship between the big nations and the islands because it's very emotive and very charged. But like, when you put it in the context that, you know, they, they speak to cacao, don't they? And, you know, you know, he would literally have played rugby in Fiji for his entire life if he'd had the opportunity and would mm. never have left. And all of the sort of situations that were regularly kind of used to, portray him negatively throughout his career when he sort of went home and sort of went AWOL yeah. and, and still is with a lot of Fijian players, players, by the way, and with a lot of island players where they go home and they don't come back for ages. And, you know, what's fucking hell, what's his face got sacked from Racing for this uh, quite recently? Big Knacks. Big Knacks, yeah. Um, and But, like, these play, a lot of these players would never leave if they didn't need the money. And now younger and younger players are being targeted by sort of New Zealand, Australia and France in particular, but everybody really, like, and saying, you know, if you want to be able to make your family any money, you're going to have to yeah. go to this place that you don't necessarily want to go, that you, and a culture that's totally alien and different to the one that you're used to in island life, which is so heavily focused around family and which is so heavily focused around this sort of very, very close you know, yeah, I mean, some, some, some will want to leave and run away Absolutely. as fast as they can, but a lot of them I don't think would. And you can't blame them. You, I don't blame the players in any way whatsoever. Because no, why the hell wouldn't you do it? And that's the thing. When you've created a structure that basically institutionalizes that, and you allow yeah. that to keep happening by inventing excuses about you can't run your own affairs, which is exactly what fucking happened in Africa for years. Yeah. Oh, India. yeah, you can't be trusted to run your own <laughs> fucking country. And to be honest, if they do fuck it up for a while, well, that's their fucking right to do that, isn't it? Just give yeah. them the money they're entitled to, you pack of shit houses. Well, this is the... Uh, Brett, I'll level with you. Like, when he eventually fucking turns up, Brett Gosper extremely does not come across well in this documentary at all because he portrays world rugby as a gov governing body that seemingly wants to do nothing to upset the apple cart and just shrugs. Also, I, th I think he shrugs because actually, when you fucking you lift up the corner of the paper, they've got no power whatsoever as well, an organisation. Yeah, they, the, they have the says, World Cup. That's it. Yeah, he says. You know, as a, a the number of times that he talks about sort of leaving, you know, individual affairs of the individual nations, and they don't want to get involved with, you know, whether that be Samoa, whether yeah. that be Fiji, or whether that be the RFU or the fucking FFR. You know, it's what's the fucking point of you if you're just sitting there going, "Well, I'm not even going to recommend to the these nations that they need to think." You know, he literally says, "I can't tell these people to think bigger and to think about the big picture." 
And it's like, well, what's the fucking point of you if you're a governing body, if you're not encouraging your members to think of the big picture that benefits everybody in the long term? Like, he honestly, it's an absolute car crash from his point of view because it just... <laughs> That's before we even say, get comes... into his comb over. Yeah. Oof, which is inexplicable, terrible. by the Unbelie- way. Also, and the location for that interview appears to be a sort of gazebo in the middle of a cricket pitch in West London but like, somewhere. Yeah, but but, but a, not even like, yeah, like a... A temporary a gazebo. temporary gazebo, yeah. <laughs> It was super but, weird. Um, Why not just do it in a fucking office? Anyway, We yeah. could do a long time on this. And actually, um, I've been in touch with Dan Leo, and him and one of the directors is happy to talk to us about this. We'll probably do a special episode about this in more detail anyway, and I'm sure he'll have a much more articulate way of expressing how problematic it is. But what I will say is this, that it just shows you how, how obvious the right thing to do is on this thing, is that Stephen Jones and James Haskell are in lockstep with our yeah. thing. That's how Completely obvious... I mean, that made me feel us. uncomfortable, but that's how <laughs> fucking obvious the answer is. And it's, actually, Stephen Jones makes a point in his interview, doesn't he? He says that rugby's, you know, not living up to its values. Yeah, rugby's, everything about this just made me just think rugby values is fucking bollocks. I'd argue... If there was see, ever any d- doubt about it, like, it proves it in a way that just makes me think, for fuck's sake, why are we... How can we, in good conscience, ever utter that term while this sort of stuff is going on. 80 quid to f- play a fucking game of international rugby the Tongan players got, and they had to basically sue their own fucking union to get it. 80 quid. Yeah. Remember when England went on strike because they weren't happy for the thousands <laughs> they were getting back in the 90s. Um, but actually, I think, I'd argue, rugby is doing exactly what it's, it is exactly in line with its values of the past 150 years on this. Yeah, I mean, we've we've done this. We've covered this in the rugby history yeah. things. Rugby is what rugby is. It's rich white establishment folk sitting under a marble gazebo in a conquered land, ordering different coloured people to bring them drinks and then not paying them properly for doing it. Yeah, except in this case, the drinks are lovely offloads. Yes, and... or the entire <laughs> career of somebody who should be able to do it somewhere else without you creaming it all off. Yeah. And it and you know he lay, Dan lays out very obviously how easy it would be to start to fix these things, and straight off the fucking bat is removing the restriction on players representing more than one nation, hmm. and yet as soon as he brings that up to Brett Gosper, he's sort of just like, well, mate, you know, there's not a lot of fuck off, mate. You know, it's the right thing to do, rugby. Like there are clear fucking like moral imperatives here about how the game of rugby should be run, and the man in charge of the whole fucking shooting match seems to be absolutely so basically go well. I'd like to do it too, but apparently nobody wants to do it. And well, yeah, uh, anyway, we could go like this all night, but it's just yeah. fucked. All of it. And it's completely yeah. and utterly out of order and it makes me want to fucking puke. Yeah, it makes me want to burn the whole fucking thing down. Because it's just Josh so will be un- dancing around with a petrol can while I'm throwing <laughs> up. That's how this podcast would deal with that problem. It's just... And the whole sort of statement at the end that World Rugby has obviously kind of made them put at the end to avoid getting sued... And Bill Beaumont says, wouldn't even put his fucking raspberry ripple down for five minutes to come and be interviewed, would he? <laughs> they very nearly fucking allowed a guy who got convicted of manslaughter to oh, be on sorry. the fucking board. <laughs> like, 
Uh, I'm laughing incredulously, not because yeah. it's funny. No, yeah. everyone in this film rightly is pissed off. Like, with the exception of Ben. Well, to be honest, with you, yeah, even Brent, Brent Gosper is pissed off because he's fucking. I think Brent Gosper is pissed off. Pissed off is his full uselessness. Is rendered been revealed to the world, to the world. Yeah. <laughs> yes. and not him personally, just the, the position, his organization. He, yes, it's the, like, the position yeah. he and his organization. Has, if his organization yeah. cannot convince the RFU, the FFR, the WRU, the IRFU, New Zealand and Australia to stop pillaging the islands, and at the very least allow the islands to get some of the, you know, the Charles Piertau thing is. Is laboured quite heavily in that, but it's true. He's got you know what three All Black caps, one yeah. All Black cap, something like that. And once and again, he's... rugby league shows the way that you can play <laughs> yeah, for two companies like... in rugby league. I mean, it doesn't yeah. in other ways. Let's be honest, no. but it, <laughs> does, it does. It does in that way. But yeah, it, it it's a basic you know, and rugby league interestingly has the imperative to do it because rugby league is such a small game internationally mm. that they need every you know, and if we can get in Papua New Guinea involved, you know they. They want as many people playing Their as national possible. sport, Papua New Guinea. Yeah. They love it. Whereas, like, it seems like Rugby Union isn't interested in three countries that, you know, provide 20% of the players in the world and love rugby more than anybody else. And they aren't interested in those people becoming an interesting and consistent part of that game. It's, like are you trying to tell me that the finan- you know the financial imper- like the financial incentive will always be there. Like to go and play for the All Blacks, to go and play for England, to go and play for Wales, Ireland, France, whatever. That will always be a huge draw. Well, you could smooth it out, couldn't you? Of course you could. You could smooth it you could smooth this out. And it is structurally exploitative. I don't 100%. mind using that word because it is exactly what it is. Yeah. It encourages all the things that you wouldn't really want to happen if you wanted this as a sporting thing to work correctly. But they're just no, not interested in doing it. They couldn't. And give as a, a moral fuck, so. thing, it's 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 a really <laughs> interesting that Amazon decides to buy and broadcast this documentary like <laughs> the the same month that they get the first ever rights to rugby. It's an interesting kind of. <laughs> Like, did, were they just after all rugby documentaries or are they interested in making some semblance of a positive change? And we can, uh, you know, well, there's, probably there's not, some evidence. But we'll see. Probably not, but <laughs> it's it's interesting that this is their sort of first post-getting-rights-to-live-rugby salvo of a rugby thing they've released is something that basically just tears apart everything about its governance and structure. Having said that, uh, from watching this, it then gave me... Or the suggested videos. Me too. The story of rugby was one, six parts, which will no doubt just be a gigantic circle wank about how fantastic rugby is. Yep. But the other one is the Rugby Boys of Memphis, is called something where it looks like they introduced yes, rugby to I, a Memphis. I've not watched it. Have you? I, I haven't watched it, but I got uh, represent, represent that uh, as well as True Grit, which is the David Pocock documentary, which oh, I obviously be will be watching. There, obviously, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. Watching on your uh, own. Yes. Obviously, yeah. Some quiet time. Later, later, <laughs> later night. I hope he takes his shirt off. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I also got recommended that. Follow the rise of an inner city Memphis high school's first rugby team, um, which instantly sounds bang at my fucking Oh, alley. absolutely. So America, rugby. Yeah. <laughs> and it's got Social injustice. Of, Come on. It's, 
It's got a five out of five on Amazon Prime, which is a good four stars more than the uh, Wales Georgia game from the weekend has been rated <laughs> so far. Yes. Uh, although, let's be honest, the Brighton Miracle was very highly rated on there as well, and we know how that went. Yes. Um, well, let's leave it at that. I'm sure we. Were, in fact, Dan Leo just texted me. I'm not saying I'm a big. I'm a big noise. I'm not. Mm-hmm. He just texted me when I'm in because he's. I think he lives in Brisbane, trying to coordinate. But anyway. Um, yeah, so give it a watch if you haven't already. I've had quite a Genuinely few messages do. saying, "Are you going to talk about this?" Because everyone who has seen it is has, you know, steam coming out of their bladder, just like we have. So that's uh, <laughs> so we thought we'd join in, and no doubt we can get Dan and the director, and that'll go a bit better. If you want to get in touch with us and tell us that they, you, you know, you loved a bit of, I mean, we were woke, woke big, woke early this week, weren't we? Yeah, we we came in straight straight off the bat with so, our lefty liberal views. So if you want to get involved in that, or you can get in touch with me at Blood and Mud or LeaderBloodandMud.com. And how do people get in touch with you, Josh? Uh, at Josh Gardner, at RugbyShirtWatch, uh, and indeed RugbyShirtWatch.com. We're on Acast. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're also on Patreon.com slash Blood and Mud because people actually pay for this stuff. <laughs> this is what they want. I mean, it's you niche. It. It's a niche it collection niche. of people because they're the best people. Because they're the best people, that's why. We're good. Thank you, everybody. Not everybody. Not everybody can get it. We won't want everybody to get it. We won't want everybody no, to get it because it'll be cheap. Exactly. What is cheap, though, is our subscription rates each month. <laughs> really? Hey, come on. And uh, you can play two quid and get everything, all of our history. You've, you mentioned rugby history there, Josh. I did. We've got a Pacific Islands rugby history episode among nine others when you can find out, basically, the historical shithousery is off the charts. Yeah. Read about when New Zealand basically gave flu to Samoa. That's a fucking belter, that is, yeah, by yeah. the way. It's, it's, there's not a lot of good in rugby union history. And uh, <laughs> I don't think it was this. a bad idea. Actu- Listen to France for actual Nazis oh, who love the rugby Jesus. union. So, uh, anyway, you can do that, and that's the two quid. Or you can pay five quid to join the VIP Allied Brew Lounge, where you mm-hmm. will then get behind a velvet rope. Get a little bit, of, get to sit in a bonquette, play with a six foot kaplunk, all that kind of stuff, and uh, the and get your name read on here while we have a go at having to talk about what kind of rugby player you might be. We had uh, four this week, so we're having to do yeah. two each rather than spending the next half hour doing it. So, shall we go? Sensible. We'll start with you, Josh, because you've yes. got you. You've decided who Donald McIntosh is as a player. Yes, Donald, uh, uh, the Highland Flinger, as. Uh, he's also known. Uh, Lou said he became something of a legend at Queen Street Quangos RFC uh, for his remarkable ability to lift players in the line, line out. Uh, not just because of the ease with which he lifted them, which although it was very easy for him, but just the sheer height to uh-huh. which they would shoot up when he would just fling them up in the air. It wasn't always a good thing though, because Donald's tendency to sort of fire his lock up eight feet, ten feet into the air. Uh, was also coupled with the fact that he quite often forgot to really bring him down safely. And so ultimately it ended his career because the club was forced to stop picking him for insurance reasons. And it was still better than the Ireland line out this weekend. Come on! Um, I've got, thank you, Donald. Welcome into the VIP lounge. Indeed. Uh, next up, we've got Curtis Nice, who's joined the VIP lounge this nice. week and also sent a reminder because we've asked people to do that. Have we forgotten <laughs> Please about do. it? Please yeah. do it. I think some people have even forgotten the reminder you sent me, so I've still not done it. Send another one. Um, so Just Curtis, keep him. Curtis was an outside half for Funk Hammer Wanderers. Hello. Gained the nickname The Crumbler in reference well, to his yeah. biscuity surname and 
that he was the worst ki- the worst kicker in the history of the I can't believe it's not Butter Shropshire League Division Seven third team segment. What percentage are we talking here? He once had a season. Records do, didn't don't show it, but what we do know is that he once had a season of place kicking so disturbing that child spectators were not allowed in after game four. <laughs> so thank but you, you Curtis. Protect the kids. You have against filth and corrupting yeah. influences like that kicking. <laughs> thank you, Curtis. Indeed. Next up, uh, next we up, go. we've got uh, James Gorkroger, uh, who I've got as a combative number nine, who's difficult relationships with everyone, including his own teammates, uh, leading to go and found his own rugby club as nobody else could really put up with his constant chopsing. Um a beacon for similarly difficult players from around the local area. Uh, Gorka's Zygotic Monkey RFC uh, are still waiting to play their first fixture. <laughs> oh, that my word. That was a long journey up to that, that, wasn't it? Good God. Pleased that. Um, yeah, they're still waiting to play their first fixture because after every training session, they're all so disagreeable that it ultimately just descends into a massive row and everybody goes home in a strop. Thank you very much, James. Uh, last look this week, we've got Tobias Baker. Tobias Baker, perennial sub for Donkey Punches RFC, Lovely. was known as Too Biased Baker for okay. his shocking performances when he regularly ran the line as a sub. Every kick was 20 metres shorter in touch than in reality. Every line out went his team's way, etc. <laughs> it eventually came to a head when he sat on a ball once to prevent, prevent a quick opposition line out being taken. And the ball was kicked out from under him by the opposition eight with such force, it ruptured his testicle, which remains swollen and large to this day, where he is now known as Two Bollocked Baker. Lovely. I tell you what, I, I respect you for not going route one with that. What would that have been? The Baker Nick, I mean, you know, how many... Oh, Baker's dozen. How many how many bread puns can you've got in that? And <laughs> yeah, you, but I respect you didn't go that way. No, I went a far more tortured way. Yours would have been yeah. better, probably. <laughs> Thank you all of you for your VIP Indeed. contributions. And if you want to do that yourself, out of the two quid or the five quid, you can pay annual memberships now. Get yeah. it out of the way early. Then you're stuck Why listening not? to us for a year. Think about that. Yeah, a whole year of us. Patreon.com. There's no getting out of it. Patreon.com slash blood and mud. Mm-hmm. Welcome along. Those of you who don't pay, that's all right, I suppose. <laughs> I mean, you're not our favourites, but you're still welcome. Yeah. That's how I... Yeah, all right. Yeah. Uh, we begin as we always begin, 24 minutes. To be fair, we have done a film review before we got to yeah, the beginning. That's not bad for us, well. really. Um, with a player spotted, where we ask you to send in mundane spottings of professional rugby players or, or something loosely associated with rugby all day. We've had refs, we've had commentators as well, I think. Scott Donald gets in touch because he's a patron. He can do it on the Patreon messaging. And he's done that. And he says, while visiting Peppa Pig World with my niece. I don't know where Peppa Pig World is. Uh, it's, well, I think it's what used to be Blobbyland. I don't know where Blobbyland is. Uh, I don't know. Either, is it the southeast? Uh, I would guess so. Let's right. find out. Anyway, Pig. while he's visiting while Peppa Pig that, World yeah. with my niece, I was surprised to see... Must be in the southeast because he was surprised to see Mike Hampshire. Brown. Yeah, Hampshire, right? Mike Brown sitting on a dinosaur ride, having a wonderful time with his son. In what was most strange is that he was smiling and really enjoying himself. God, that is weird. 
He says, if you if I remember, you had a previous player spotted with Mike Brown sitting in a child's sandpit in the National Trust Gardens. That is true. We Didn't did look very happy it. then, apparently. Mm. He said, so I think we found uh, where Mike Brown place. likes to Mike have Brown's his fun. Mike Brown's happy place, yeah. Uh, I can confirm, actually, uh, it's not where Blobbyland used to be. Uh, it is Pepper... Uh, it's technically Paulton's family theme park slash home of Peppa Pig World. Uh, it's located in the New Forest near the village of Hour in Hampshire. So South there you go. Hampshire. Seven, 70 rides and attractions. I've not been there. I went to Lego Land Windsor. That was a fucking horrible day. Yeah, sure. Truly Lego horrible day. Somebody who likes both theme parks and Legoland, Lego rather, I should like Legoland, but fucking not for me, mate. The rides are terrible, but the queues are no shorter. You, know, you yeah. can accept the fact that I can understand what <laughs> if something's good, it's pretty daredevil. Good I can understand why you want to queue up. Yeah, there's something good at the end of it. Fair enough. If you're queuing for shit, yeah, waste of time. Yeah, and then there was two accidents on the North Circuit on the way home back to my in-laws' house in London. It took oh. us three and a half hours to get back oh. from no, Windsor to West London. Think about that one. If you have a player spotted, you've spotted a player doing something mundane, then mm-hmm. get in touch. You can get in touch on the Patreon messaging if you're one of those lovely people. If not, you're going to have to do the email or you, my DMs are open. You opened your DMs yet, Josh? Fuck no. Stop. I will never open my DMs. I will never expose myself to such. Three things that are certainly like death, taxes, Josh's closed DMs. Yeah. You don't want to DM me. No. Let's be honest. I remember when I opened my DMs, I couldn't work out when nobody DM'd me. I didn't realise they went into like a different page. Oh, yeah. From people, if it's people that don't follow you, because I, oh, right. I kept getting notifications to say somebody's messaged me. Then I'd go into the like, nobody's messaged me. What's fucking going on here? <laughs> and it took me, honestly, about six months. I had about 25 messages stored up in this other page you have to click into. Well, these people should start following you then, shouldn't they? No, it's because I don't follow them. Oh. I should start following them, really. Oh, really fair. No, no, fair enough. Depends how good don't the message is, I suppose, doesn't it? Exactly. Don't, don't just So think about that. Be creative and entertaining. Yeah. I might follow you. Not that you want to follow yeah. off me. Anyway, that's a player spotted. Thank you very much. Shall we do some news? Uh, we definitely should do some news, yeah. Do you want to start me off? Uh, well, um, it looks like maybe we can go and watch some rugby again, maybe. Possibly. If you're In one of the 4,000... Yeah, so... Is it like the Jehovah's Witnesses? You have to, like, know... You have to be like, you know, only a certain number of people are going to get in. You have to be anointed. Well, when they were doing the thing with... Uh, the, the, the ultimately aborted test go at bath, um, like... Because that was only supposed to be, like, 500 people, I think. Right. Um, but that was shortly before they had to close everything down again. Um the tickets were very expensive and were just on general sale, which um, I guess kind of isn't ideal. No. <laughs> if, you, if you want, but then you know we're living in weird times. Whatever. Um, I would imagine that it's. Are they going to just make it to season ticket holders first, come first serve sort of thing in these places? I don't know. Is it four thousand slash whatever is the. Or 50% capacity, whatever's lower, basically, isn't it? So up to so, 4,000 people? Yeah. That is. What are sale going to do to find the other 1,500 to... <laughs> hey, <laughs> I was going to say, this, a good, this sounds like a good crowd for the Ospreys. <laughs> Especially like, at St. Helens. Oh, that was a wonderful yeah, yeah. sort of, po- you know, 
post-nuclear landscape they were playing in, wasn't it, at the weekend? <laughs> See, I think from certain angles, St. Helens is a lovely ground. It's an old fucking rugby ground, and it's right on the fucking seafront. It's, But the angles with which they chose to depict it on television yesterday made it look like they were playing in a rubbish dump. Which... <laughs> I mean, That's exactly what it looked like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Halfway through, shouting, you can't put scrap in there, mate. <laughs> it's bin seven. Hard plastic that isn't recyclable. You'll have to put it in general. Yeah. No, no, you can't cycle, recycle polystyrene. You won't believe how many people <laughs> ask us this. Um, yeah. Probably still look nicer than St. Helens the place, to be fair. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, you know, St. Helens, the rugby ground, is literally 100 yards from a beach, which... Yeah, it is, isn't it? In between houses. They could make so much of that if they wanted to, and they don't. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I imagine that will mean that the Ospreys will go back to the Liberty and uh, will take advantage of the full 4K um, Cardiff. 30 of which will be the haunting children's choir. (laughs) It's I I still one I'm, two COVID's coming for you three <laughs> four five. imagine that while Stephen Myler's weaving, mean, his, weaving his magic on the field you can imagine it that's the problem <laughs> but like yeah I do wonder what you know obviously who knows what the fuck's going to happen with all this and it depends on what <laughs> tier you're in that's the twenty twenty refrain. Who knows yeah. what the fuck's going to happen with all this? But it's a, it's the latest idea. We'll see what happens. Yeah, so we'll see. I hope that some people get because we you know we've discussed on this podcast before that like allowing people to fucking use mass public transport and go to pubs is dramatically more dangerous than you know people in very very small numbers going to watch a sporting fixture. And they're also going to let so, people to gigs out, they soon as well. Yes, which I'm less keen on if I'm brutally honest. But it, but it would have been. It, what I'm saying is, it would have been a little bit of a nonsensical. Oh yeah, it'd be bollocks. So. Yeah, but uh, I'll be for, yeah four thousand, um, and you've got to stay within your uh, within your family grouping, obviously. So I'll be interested to see how they how and if they make it work because they've handled everything so well so far. But, uh, yeah, I just, just positive as far as I'm concerned. And you've also got to be in Tier 1 in order to get the 4K. Otherwise, right. it's like a maximum of 2 or a maximum of... And I'm, I think they're still thinking that they can let a 1,000 people into a sports ground, even in Tier 3, in the very high, which seems insane. But Anyway, it's good to have some crowds coming times. back in. It's good, it's good to just... The let's hope it all works in. out. You know, yeah. So, Mr. Bruce, I don't want that. Um in other news, rugby mm. and superstardom can clash with uh, yes. Maruatoji signing to Jay-Z's agency. Yes, he's part of Rock Nation now, which, uh, I mean, he's joined Sia Khaleesi, obviously, who became the first rugby player. Marcus Rashford. With. Yeah. Um, which is to say now that the share of Marrow's image rights that Nigel Ray bought five years ago uh, are probably now actually worth what he paid for them at the time. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> hey Yes, so... Um, but I suppose it shows you the kind of profile that young Marrow at 26 years old is... Well, not so young anymore, I suppose, but young Marrow is getting. 
No, yeah, he's you know he's hitting he's hitting exactly you know everything is is aligning at the correct time for him. He's almost certainly going to be, you know, in the frame of being Lions captain. I imagine he will be England captain before too long, and he's in the absolute prime of his playing career, and probably the best lock in the world. And he's he is sickeningly know, good, sickeningly good. Um, which we'll talk about in a minute, but yes. um, but yeah, it's 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 entirely appropriate that you know he should have a, a profile that reflects that. You know, see, signed with Rock Nation and then became the face of a global fucking Adidas campaign, and it shouldn't be anything different with with Mara really. And Hughesy raised his um, working with young fellas on non-domestic violence to anti-domestic violence. Yeah, exactly, and as well, you know, the the announcement from Mauro today sort of made clear that you know they wanted to work with him because of the not just because of what he does on the field, but his his social and political outlook off the field as well, which is you know an important thing for rugby to to engage with more of. And speaking of which, mm. um, we were talking about Amazon earlier. Yes, they've got this Ben uh, Ben Obano documentary coming as well which is uh coming i think it's next month is it starting or well, next next week i think it's either next week or early it's next it's soon month. anyway yeah, yeah. it's um, going to be interesting but ben obano bath and england prop uh, has made this documentary basically about rugby's intersection with race and class in the uk which looks like it might be fucking essential viewing frankly doesn't um, sound like something we'd be interested in no not so <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, it's like who had Amazon sort of buying the sports rights for stuff and then instantly tackling, you know, tackling two of the most thorny issues in Northern Hemisphere. <laughs> it's, you know, it's interesting, though, isn't it? Because, I mean, it is, it's of the time. It obviously shows you that, in a way, isn't it funny how rugby has for ages wanted to expand beyond where it has always been? Yes. And... The funny thing is, is that you could argue that the thing that they've been so uncomfortable with engaging with, and they have tried to engage with it, I'm not, but there was a definite, un- they didn't want to deal with it like Premier League football, did they? They wanted to take a different, nope. you know, it was a bit, it felt a little bit, yeah, we want to do something, but we don't want to piss too many people in barbers off, you know. And um, Yeah, and also I- a sort of like, well, we we still want you to to know your place in this. Not in a sort of overtly unpleasant um, way, but just in a sort of, we're still in charge of this, but we'd like you to become involved and, yet, and enjoy it. The opportunity mm. that the media profile, that discussions about this, the media love it, don't they? Yeah, and loads of people come in and go, "Well, it's nowhere right, as so. big as the media like it or not." But the fact that the media, this is really of its time, and the fact they've gone headlong and said, "So actually, a way to raise rugby probably beyond where it's been before is through something like this because of what's <laughs> happened," even yeah, though they didn't really want to engage with it. To be honest, yeah. Yeah, and you know, it it doesn't feel like Abano's done this, you know, with the blessing of the RFU. This feels like something that he just kind of wanted to do anyway, and he's managed to get Amazon on board to make it. And that's interesting in itself because, as you say, it's like there's the best way to encourage people who aren't in your regular demographic to get involved with something is to demonstrate and celebrate the people who aren't from that regular demographic. Doing yes. it and sharing their experience of it, and rugby has been so fucking hostile to that for so long. And 
I really hope that this is, you know, A, I hope that the film is good, and B, I just, I hope it's, it's the first of many of these sort of things that we see. Uh, yeah, the quote from Benno in in the trail for this is, I think rugby has traditionally been a sport played and watched by middle-class white people, he says. Which is the truest thing that anybody's ever said, ever. On board with you there, Benno. Yeah, no. Did he mention anything about the Vichy France? Uh, <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, no, he's not going that deep. Too deep, of course. that deep. Speaking of, of, of like pros who are doing good stuff, like Benno and Jay-Z and, and others, of them more like Sam Warburton's punditry was very good at the weekend. I thought it was genuinely very good, yeah. He's always very especially, good. Especially when they had to cut him off because he was saying true things that weren't necessarily <laughs> flattering about how shit Georgia was. <laughs> And then they turn, <laughs> then they, then they just, so then they just turn to Scott Connell to shout loudly in a Welsh accent. Yeah. Scott, Scott, can you can you say things like "hoil" and "hiraith" and not know what they mean? Yeah, well, it's "hiraith." What does that mean? Passion? No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. <laughs> "Hoil" means passion, if anything. Yeah, I know he's just learning, but I can't speak Welsh. No, no, "hiraith" yeah. doesn't mean that. <laughs> Scott's never. Well, actually, he did play for Richmond for a while. I was going to say Scott's not. Never felt heroith in his life. He's never been out of Wales long enough to feel <laughs> He has to go to Wigan. That's going to make yes. you feel some fucking heroics. Let me tell yeah. you. Thanks, <laughs> um, Yeah, but other former pros in the media, but they're just tedious twats, aren't they? I tell you Stealing what. Stealing a fucking living by talking, either talking shit or just moaning. I know we're one to talk about moaning, but we like rugby as it's played now. We don't like some of the structural shit about rugby, but it's the like games a... generally I tend to quite enjoy. I genuinely, you know, I enjoy watching Rugby Union. I'm sorry, but I do. Um, a lot of, it's just really funny seeing all the, the BBC pundits and on-screen personalities who haven't been invited into Amazon or Channel 4's little loving. <laughs> Absolutely um, few. Being super fucking chippy about the either the commentary or just the quality of the rugby. Jiffy saying rugby shit now. Fuck off, Jiffy. Rugby was way shitter in the 90s. Um, it's <laughs> it's just really transparent. It is the it? most rose-tinted rose shit in the world, isn't it? Because actually, I'd love old, to sit yeah, him down and sport. say, I'd love to sit him down and say, right, all day today, we're watching mm-hmm. the game from every year from 1979 through to 1994. You yeah. tell and we're me not just you... watching the and we're yeah. not just watching the highlights. Watching we're going to watch the full 80. We're going to watch. In fact, what we'll do is we'll watch a compilation of lineouts from back then, and you tell me how <laughs> fucking entertained you are. <laughs> There's nothing worse than a pre-lifting lineout. <laughs> It's honestly the most boring. It's like, how did this exist in sport for the best part of 100 years? (laughs) Yes. Like, it's shit. Yeah. Really shit. Yeah, but loads of it is absolutely awful. The pace of it's terrible. Everything was crap. Rugby in the 2000s was not as good as it is. The 1999 Six Nations is worth a watch, and not just because of that game. Because it was a bit batshit, there was loads of scoring. That made it interesting. But that's why it's you know held up as one of the great Six Nations ever. Yes. Where because five nations as it was then. But yeah. Five nations last it was one, indeed. In fact, yeah. yeah. But then Scottish people certainly think it was, given it was. Um... They certainly do. Yeah. I don't know. I just I, I I genuinely think that rugby is a dramatically better sport now than it was forty years ago, thirty years ago, twenty years ago. Rugby's a hell of a lot better now than it was in two thousand and three. Everybody's talking about the 2003 Rugby World Cup final this week because it was the anniversary. 
Watch that match back again. Tain all that. Not saying it's terrible, but it tain all that. No. <laughs> like skill levels, everything. Rugby's getting better. I think most it's just not in the way that you the, like it. It's the same with music, isn't it? I mean, I like older music, but I recognise music is much better now. Ultimately, you will always have a, a rose-tinted view of the thing that you were either A, involved in, or B, yeah, it liked when you were a kid. So Jonathan Davis will think that rugby in the 80s and 90s was way better than it is now because he was playing it. It's basically just like the Brexit argument, but rugby, isn't it? Basically. <laughs> it's exactly that. Uh, I want to go back which... to a time when apparently everything was good, but any kind of tiny yeah. analysis shows you it fucking wasn't. And it certainly wasn't for a lot of people. Fuck no. Well, yeah, that's without all of the other stuff. But like, the, in terms of purely on-field product, it's genuinely not that good, lads. Watch it back. You haven't for a long time. Watch it back. Bank of Ireland is looking out for your financial well-being. They want to help protect you from fraud. So whether it's Black Friday, Cyber Monday, or even just plain old Tuesday, be careful online. Don't assume that every text message or email you get claiming to be from a bank, a delivery service, or any company is legit. And remember, Bank of Ireland will never send you a text message or an email with a link asking for your full 365 PIN number or one-time passcodes, so don't give them out. Search Bank of Ireland Security, and together this Christmas, we won't let the fraudsters win. Begin. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. The world of work has changed dramatically and organisations are evolving. A full or part-time MBA from UCD Smurfit School equips managers to react at pace and deliver change. Now is the time to transform your career and gain a new business network. Join our virtual MBA experience day on Saturday, November 20th. Register at smurfitschool.ie forward slash events. UCD Michael Smurfit Graduate Business School. Developing impactful business leaders. Right. Any more news? Uh, no, not really. I think it's it's we're quite news light, aren't we? It's because there's stuff actually still going on. There's Pro 14, as usual. There's fucking Pro 14 being played now. Glasgow, oh, yeah. are, Glasgow are playing in an absolute monsoon. Glasgow uh, playing in a monsoon Munster. with their four players they've now got left. Yeah, but they're still currently up uh, after 19 minutes. They are up. Eight seven, fair dues to them against uh, against Munster. So we can avoid talking about the rugby, the actual on field rugby, no more. Mm. Shall we? How do we want to go first here? I mean, I'm glad we've had some other stuff to talk about this this week because, I mean, we should probably start with England Island, shouldn't we? Yeah, the, let's do that. The hashtag big match of the weekend. Um. <laughs> Ireland basically set themselves up to not get humiliated again. And so in that regard, I guess, mission accomplished. But fucking hell. They did not feel like a team that rocked up to Twickenham with any interest in winning. It just felt like they were trying to keep this. They were trying to avoid being taken apart by that kicking game that absolutely mullered them the last couple of times. And yeah. so they just stood 10 yards behind the ball, all on attack and defence for some reason. And... 
I thought they had bad. something of a blueprint for the first 10 minutes because they had some possession for the first game. five or 10 yeah. minutes and they kept just dropping those angle kicks into the corners. I thought, well, actually, yeah. play from there. Let's see if you can get your confidence going from there. And I thought, this actually might work if England get a bit frustrated. And then, of course, it all changed when England had what's, what they technically call possession. Yeah. For the and only then point it all the started match. to look very bad for Ireland. Yeah. <laughs> as soon Basically, as England, England started carrying the ball. Possession, possession for about five minutes. <laughs> as soon and as they put the four phases together, it was like, yeah. that was oh, the God, game. this isn't looking good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's because they were standing off. So, you know, they were obviously terrified about it. It's weird that they were because George Ford wasn't on the field. Yeah, that chipping behind reason... was terrified of that sort of angled chipping game, weren't yeah. they, like last time? Yeah. yeah. And also, as you say, they started off nicely with that you know, the, their tactical game was working well until it got to the line-out part and then fucking go, go, gadget. I felt OJ. very, very, very sorry for, for Ronan Kelleher. Young lad, fifth cap. Yeah. Loads of talent. First yeah. fucking line-out he has, they go, yeah, throw it 25 metres over the fucking top, Ronan, will you? <laughs> <laughs> you poor fuck. Who's calling yeah. that how, for the how poor about, bugger? How about you just throw it to the front? Yeah, oh, anything that isn't <laughs> and that. And a settler. You and know? to be fair, it wasn't straight that first one. But to be fair, it wasn't that far out either. You don't have to start out very wonky over 25 metres to be out. Anyone who's put a no. shelf up knows. You know, quarter, <laughs> very of, a, true. quarter of a bubble on the spirit level, you think that'll be fine. And then you think, fucking yeah, hell, look at the state end, of that. It's if it's wrong. over exactly. a metre long, forget about it. So, you know, it's... <laughs> And no, and it's just, and the problem was that they they made him do that, and that was obviously a sort of a, a nick to his confidence. And then for yeah. the rest of the, you for the rest of the time he was on the field, it was just like chip, chip, chip <laughs> to the point where he just mentally disintegrated. And who can blame him, frankly, as you say? Can, yeah. Can we talk about England's defence, which has had rave reviews right rightly so yes. extremely efficient very powerful very well drilled Ireland made it very fucking easy for them Un- by the way unbelievably easy like England's plan that spent this autumn basically I think developing the much trumped plan B right because there's been but his plan B appears to be become Warren Gatlin's Wales when you need to be because, like, tell me you weren't getting flashbacks of better times when they scored a couple of opportunistic tries and then spent the next 60 minutes basically daring Ireland to attack and smashing them behind the gain line. It was like, I mean, as you say, Ireland made it unbelievably easy by just kind of just running around the corner and running straight at attackers. To be honest, around the corner thing, I don't start. think they did enough in some ways in that England's whole defensive line is to rush up in a in a, in a in like um when you're playing chess when you put your pawns out your pawns out at a point at the middle mm. it's like that but incredibly powerful and like a fucking rocket obviously yeah with but, sand hill at the top but, of it yeah and what happened yeah. was is that every time the ball got to the ten twelve channel from Gibson Park who'd been far too ponderous anyway yeah was exactly the point at which that fucking smashathon was arriving to knock yeah. you into fucking next week and there was no point at which they started mixing up. Either a kind of second wave line attack. It was the, it was the there thing was no that screen I genuinely had, to make them think I genuinely anything, had a nothing. headache by like about the second half because I was just like they're still doing it. <laughs> they're still just running straight at them from an unthreatening distance with an, an unthreatening. I'm angle. sending it too lateral before they attempt yeah. to move forward. And, and yeah, and and, and and it was just. I mean, don't get me wrong. This, everything about the selection was. You get the feeling sometimes Andy Farrell's trying to be a bit too clever for his own good. 
with his team selections. And instead of just going, I'm just going to pick the 15 strongest players that I've got, I'm going to horses for courses this a bit. And I'm going to... And it never, it has yet to work, to my knowledge. Instead of just playing your strong... You know, if he just started whatever happened last week, Colin I don't, Murray... You, I, I don't really have much of a problem with that, to be honest. I think if it had just let... I don't know what it was. All of kind of Gibson Park's buzzing and stuff disappeared. Now, obviously, they were, they were under more physical pressure. I know that, and they were going backwards a little bit. Playing more. against Wales, a Wales defense doesn't, you know, playing against an actual coach defense instead of one that's had a week of getting Jenkins screaming line speed at them is a lot more <laughs> of a challenge. But still, it was what was it? Seventy-three completed tackles between the back row and not a single miss. That's England are a very good unit in the back row and they're very good defensively, but they're not that fucking good. I still think the England defence would have been on top, don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. And I still think, I mean, they had so much power. I just, you know, it just, the worrying thing for England. They're an excellent defensive team. Ireland made them look like fucking Fort Knox. It was so easy. And, but, you know, who can blame England for then just going, well, (laughs) fucking have the ball then? If that's literally all you're going to do with it, have a fucking ball and we'll play you between the 22s and you won't do anything. And also, the other thing that was must have been, would have been very frustrating and they need to solve is that Ireland had to put four people into a breakdown to get a ball out when England put basically one arm in. <laughs> that back, that <laughs> back row incredible. thing. I mean, I feel like they picked Peter Romani because they were worried about Itoji in the line-out. But there's a lot more rucks than there are lineouts in a game of rugby, and I mean, fucking hell, that John. If you're going to lose the lineouts anyway, you might as well. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And it, and it absolutely helped because didn't help because Itoji is an entirely uniquely oh, disruptive force yeah. at a lineout. The things that he does at lineouts, no other human being can do. But yeah, like it showed with that. You know, everybody's. Rightfully, I guess, frothing over that second Johnny May try because it's a fabulous bit of individual efforting on his and part. And more than anything, I like the fact that they, they took some turnover and went, let's just fucking give it a go. Let's go, yeah, exactly. Give it to somebody who can have a run because what's the worst that can happen? And, you know. The entire Irish backline was there and in position, and it was so slow and so lacking in energy that the closest person to catching him up aside from Gibson Park, was fucking Peter Romani, who was at the bottom of a fucking ruck. Like, where was the where was the fullback and the wingers and the centres and the fly-off? I it's... jinxed Hugo Keenan, by the way. Yeah. Because I said in my preamble of the teams, I said that I thought Hugo Keenan had been the find of Andy Farrell's reign so far. So, of course, what happened yeah. there? Actually, he didn't have... He had, he had good he, moments he, he, as well, he, actually, he, but... And then, to be fair, that... You know, he was in an impossible situation with that because somehow he was instantly the last man with an entire field to cover and nobody else seemed to be bothered to fucking track back. And I just... And it's because he picked... You know, Farrell picked an entire back line of slow people. Physically, not mentally. Like... And, you know, two centres that are basically slabs of concrete. You know, two wingers that are not very fast anymore. And poor fucking Hugo Keenan. And it just... You know, of course, England were going to try and exploit their pace in that situation because they took one look at it and went, fuck me, we've got sprinters out here and you've just got big lads. But 
yeah, it. it I I want to be convinced by Andy Farrell because I think he's going to be a very good coach, but I think he's overthinking things a bit. Well, sometimes. I think he is a good coach. It's just I mean, in a way, with any of this, really, England look the best placed of any of all the international oh, teams yeah. we've seen so far. What a country mile! And yet we are four years. We're at the best point of a World Cup cycle, aren't we? Do, yeah. do you know what I mean? I mean, in this tournament, as much as everyone's trying to make it out to be, these are all grudge Meaningful. matches, and isn't it's it fucking not. incredible? Yeah. It's not really. Nobody no, wants to lose it, and, and nobody treats it as an idiot game, but it's, you know, it's no great surprise that Farrell was a little bit shrugged shoulders and kind of sanguine about it at the end and said, yeah, I learned a few things there, yeah. other things the only, I need to work on, you know. The only, the only coach for whom anything that's going on over this next, you know, this tournament is meaningful is Wayne Pivak and that's because he might well lose his job at the end of it. (laughs) Like it doesn't matter for Eddie Jones. It doesn't matter for Andy Farrell. You know, Eddie Jones is trying shit blatantly. You know, he's, (laughs) he used that Georgia game as an 80 minute scrum practice. He used the Ireland game as an 80 minute defensive practice. I wonder what he's, I mean, he's probably going to use the England, the Wales game as an 80 minute try scoring practice. (laughs) Um, But I like like, Tolly Lawrence, by the way. Speaking yeah, of me things too. That were being tried, I think. The, I mean, I've, I've I've liked what I've seen of him for Worcester, but um, last week, he looks he you know, he looked like all right, he fits but a really level. knew what he was doing. Really uncomplicated, <laughs> good stuff. I, st- I still don't understand what they're doing with Jonathan Joseph on the wing. He obviously wants four thirteens. Yeah, uh, and I get it, but it's like I don't understand how that's better than Anthony Watson. Well, Watson's fit again for this weekend, isn't he? Yeah. So I think, um, you might see or that change. Jack, interesting no, to see whether Joseph goes back in and Lawrence drops out. I Jack, don't think he'll Jack Willis that. plays 10 or something this week. Yeah, you know? why not? Um, I do feel like as much as England didn't have to really do anything, you know, one individual effort and a, a nicely worked try and a sort of ridiculous, random, chaotic, hmm. brilliant individual try, they looked well short of ideas otherwise. And it, until it's, Ford came on. Until George and, Ford and came on, And then all exactly. these like sexy diamond patterns started uh, and him operating just, in about <laughs> two foot of space and manufacturing passages. This passes is why out. I... And I was... You sort of just like... This is... Every autumn, Eddie Jones has to attempt to find a way to not include George Ford in his England team. And he spends four or five games attempting to sort of make England play rugby without George Ford. And then by the time the Six Nations comes around, he just goes, well, I guess that didn't work. I'll just go back to playing George Ford again and usually England win the Six Nations. <laughs> Is I get that he wants a plan B. And he obviously, in his... Like, he found the Ford-Farrell thing by accident because he didn't have a choice in the matter. And it worked unbelievably well. But there's still <laughs> a big part of him that wants a big 12... Owen Farrell at 10 and somebody creative at 13 mm. or Marutoji. <laughs> he <laughs> just, just wants a big, some sort of big lad. Well, fuck it, stick Maro in the centre. You know, what's the worst that could happen? He can do everything else. But like, I, don't, I don't, he's obviously got an idea of what he wants England to be in his head and he cannot get away from it. Even with all evidence to the contrary that his best combination is playing George Ford at 10, Owen Farrell at 12, and A. Another at 13. Well, don't worry. And then England are the best team in Europe. He'll be unleashing that, exactly. Don't you worry about that. 
I, do, I actually genuinely don't doubt that he will. Cause Four o'clock Saturday, probably... that's happening. <laughs> yeah. I wonder what I'll be doing on Saturday at four o'clock. Might kick go for a nice it, long kick walk. Kicking your couch again. I'll just go for a long walk. <laughs> You're philosophical about it now. So you say that now <laughs> in the abstract. When you, you'll, be vis- when you'll be absolutely fuming come quarter past four on Saturday. Oh, of course I will. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what I'm actually going to do is, is try to stealth myself across the border and get down to... Parker Scarlet's and then somehow sabotage the floodlights or something. Just anything. Uh, yeah, so that's that game. The other England game this weekend, by the way, that was some game, wasn't it? England-France. I mean, that was a hell of a lot better game than the men's wasn't game. Wasn't it just? Whisper it, <laughs> but I think we're going to become a women's rugby podcast because they tend to be... <laughs> I, was, I, I've, I came to the conclusion at one point of the weekend that all men's rugby is awful and that it should just be stopped and that women's rugby might be the future. And I'm still yet to be convinced that that was wrong. Yeah. So, yeah, watch this space. Uh, the... Uh, we won't do really. I've got. I haven't got enough time to learn everything no, about all the no, players. No, no. I'm afraid to tell you, but it was a fucking great game. It really was. Emily Scarrett, best player in the world. So oh, hundred percent best player. Yeah, hundred percent best player. Better than any man's player, and any woman's player. She's unbelievably good. Yes. Uh, did you see the Argentina game? I did. It was. It was Fine. an odd, odd game. A really weird game. Hell of an achievement by Argentina. They must have still thought it was like Tuesday tea time with their mm. jet lag. So, and also, they're just the chippiest team on planet Earth, Argentina. <laughs> I love them for it. But they're so yeah. aggro. They that's because be people keep giving nightmare. them not. That's because people keep giving them not respect. <laughs> that's very true. But they're clearly fueled by not respect. Because <laughs> fuck me, they're just constantly in everyone's faces and constantly just, oh, I love them. God bless them. And another decent comeback for them as well, you have to say, you know. Did you see Matera giving his shirt to that crying lad at the end yeah, as well? I mean, you can't yeah. fall off with that, can you? Nah, Honestly. you can't. But, you know, in, <laughs> Argentina have the opportunity to win the rugby champion, uh, the Tri-Nations, which seems mad. I mean, they won't. But, so they're playing New Zealand again, aren't they? Saturday. In Newcastle, yeah. New yeah. South Wales. Because we live in a stupid world. But <laughs> Plenty of fans in there, you notice. Loads of fans in. Is that and which part of Australia has just come out of the world's longest and toughest lockdown and they've, they've got no cases whatsoever? <laughs> Is it Victoria? They've got no cases at all. I mean, those guys will be desperate to go and watch some rugby, even if it's the wrong kind, for, <laughs> yeah. in their view. Uh, right, yeah. So that was that was a worthwhile game on a Saturday morning. I'm glad it's in Newcastle though. These the next game because it's a more reasonable time to be getting up in it. Half yeah, eight of a Saturday actually. morning rather than half six. Yeah, I, I I appreciated not having to. I I woke up at about eight o'clock and was like, oh, I bet the game's probably halfway through. Oh no, it doesn't start. It doesn't start till eight forty-five. <laughs> Lovely stuff. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll do Wales last. I'll let you. I'll let you be quietly depressed later. The um, France. Two, I mean, that's just a two-word fucking sum up, isn't it? Well, for you, maybe. Shit sandwich. But, uh, the, <laughs> the France were France Scotland. Yeah, high hopes. And a good decent game. game, I thought. It was a decent game without being a decent game, which is a weird one. It had enough like, moments to make me. Yes, France was, was very, very fluid at times, both in a planned way and an unplanned way, which I quite yeah. like. I'm not but, sure what game Stuart Hogg was watching, 
Scotland were absolutely not the better team for 75 minutes. No. no. I don't think they were the better team for seven minutes. And he was nowhere near as bad as people make out either. No, but he was not at his best. Like No, he was trying too parity. hard. He's a Tom Bob of it, I think. He was yeah, trying to which too is hard. something he's often guilty of. But then, you know, he just really wants to win. And you could see at the end how badly yes. he was gutted about it. But... um. Yeah, they didn't. Scotland didn't play badly at all. You know, they had real parity with them for most of the game, particularly at the second period of the first half. Some really, again, continuing this view of um, this development of how much their defence has been. Oh, really good defensively. Because that's um, why they didn't lose by more. To be brutally honest, and they yeah, had a was, chance to nick a draw half, at the end. Half an hour into the first half, that defensive set on their line when they really mm. kept France out, and France have got some fucking big runners. Yeah. And you've got to give credit to, to Francis forwards at the other side as well because they just absolutely did not let Scotland get going at all. Like, they put pressure on in the right areas. Their kicking game was excellent. And just, yeah, Scotland never got on the front foot and you can't play sexy rugby on the back foot. And you can't if you don't get your big ball carried over the line for Scotland, like, they're not going to be able to do anything. And France just basically were like, well... Hamish Watson and Jamie Ritchie and all those lads are getting stopped behind the line. And, <laughs> and, when they, um, and the like, hand and errors just kept coming at the wrong time, didn't they? I mean, they yeah. got that, that Scott Cummings got that big rumble on, didn't he? And managed to fucking spill the ball. And so it was just. And actually, though, France looked, your point, I agree, markedly the best team, had more going on in attack and everything. And yet Scotland weren't that far off, really. No, exactly. And that's the thing. It's like they were not the better team at all, but they were not blown out of the fucking water. They were there or thereabouts. They were just, they were second best on the day. And that's nothing to be devo about. You know, fucking Stuart Hogg nearly tears in his eyes at the end of the game. It's like, fuck it up, mate. You narrowly lost a game against a very, very good team that were just, just had your number. I don't think there's anything sort of negative. I, I, there's huge positives, if anything, to take from it from Scotland because of how good that defence was and how good they were at sort of they did stop France from doing their France for all but a couple of big moments in the game, you know? And that's nothing to be sniffed at. Can I just say that, um, speaking of big lads, there's an mm. incredible stench of pre-Saracen's Will Skelton about Roman Taufa Fanua. Mm. Yeah, right there. When you? all people keep talking about is how much bigger you look than everyone else while you are being stopped on the at the game line every single time you're carrying... <laughs> then you need to, you know, you need to have another word, don't we? Yeah, I think he needs to. He needs to sign for fucking Exeter or something. <laughs> yes, and he'll just get you know smashed into shape. There's no point being twenty-one stone. stone when you run sixteen stone, mate. Do you know what I mean? No, it's emphatically not that. And and and, and but he does feel like he's just a sort of large wardrobe at the moment, whereas he needs to be a sort of How old is he? Is he battering ram. Thirty. He's not like. Do you know what I mean? He's not. See, that's probably. It's never going to happen, is it? He's you know as a prop, he's probably got another four you know four or five seasons. Although with his frame, I probably imagine he'll knock it on the head earlier doors. No, he's but, a lock, yeah. isn't he? Lock. Lock. I say prop. Um, yeah, you imagine that he won't be one. He won't be wanting to shift that fr- frame around the park. No. Well, that back row looked very good again. A very vet, like they're a really the good work unit. that Aldrich gets through is staggering. By the way, <laughs> staggering. They are effectively like the perfect, um, like Sean Edwards back row. 
in yes. that there's three big lads that work their fucking bollocks off. And yeah, I like it. Yeah. Can I and also absolutely epic thing. Camille Shat's egg in the nest is oh. is epic. <laughs> For a man that's persisting with that haircut with yeah. that egg, it's you've got to respect it. Cooted with tails. It's a strong <laughs> statement. And how long he's gonna continue for, I don't know. He's basically got exactly the same hairline, I think, as William Servat, who's now on the coaching. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of like if William Servat grew his hair me. out, it would look like that. <laughs> like I think the ultimate sort of fuck November. What should happen is that they should swap haircuts. <laughs> William Servat should <laughs> grow it out like Camille, and Camille should just accept the ravages of time and knock it on the head. Have you, Johnny May, have you ever known, speaking of like November, it's my Johnny May's Tash, I've never known anybody who gives off such idiot child vibes to be so good at an elite sport. It's a proper fucking savant thing. Oh, it's amazing. It? An absolute it's, moron, it seems. Yeah. But obviously and not. Yet, I mean, yeah. fixing North Korea and stepping <laughs> like nobody's yeah. business. And, you know... Playing clubs for the idiots they are by just ranking up his contracts by moving around. He's quite clearly just a fucking wonderful, yeah. wonderful man. But he's just he just comes across as yeah, like somebody who should have his name written in his trousers. Do you know what I mean? Which I wouldn't bet against it. Speaking of that, have you not seen um, have you seen Gregor Townsend's face mask, which has got his full initials on? It's like G G P R T. It's like what all the fuck? Of his, all of his Stuff, his Scotland stuff has that on it. But I suppose he could confuse it with George Turner, couldn't he? If he just puts GT. But probably not. Not. Well, you just put head coach on the fucking mask. Yeah, Yeah. GPJT just feels like a... It's too much. GT, that'll do you. That'll do you, yeah. And you just get first dibs on anything with GT written on it. Simple as that. Yeah, easy. Well, we could avoid it no longer. So Scotland were meant to play Fiji next week. That's off officially now, isn't it? Uh, I don't. I believe so. If it, I'm sure it will be. Let me remind myself while you start talking about Wales. What a, what a sad fucking state of affairs that has transpired to be. By the way, yeah. Like, I re like Fiji genuinely would have lit up this tournament in a way that. Absolutely would not, has not happened. So, you know, let's be honest, it's been fucking shit, this Autumn Nations Cup. Like, um, you know, it's not a good Scotland, France has been the closest, yeah, Scotland, was the closest it's uh, been to a good game. Scotland, Italy was a good game. Yeah. Well, that says a lot, actually. doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's like every, the, the best game has been what would have been probably one of the, the sort of fourth best game on a Six Nations weekend. Yeah. You know? But I suppose you've got, you've got, to, games you've got to accept it for what it is. These are players who it are is. not quite yeah, ready yeah. yet. It's the, the beginning of a World Cup cycle. There's a lot of shit going on. There's new coaches all over the place. There's people who are yeah. being ruled out for fucking COVID. There's all kinds of weird stuff going on. They're all living in a Imagine weird Imagine how existence. much difference it would have been if Fiji were involved. Oh, yeah, and it would have been a big you know, deal. You know, it, it is a big deal. It would have, added, and it would have added genuine fucking fun to this thing. And instead, we've just got... Six Nations teams playing 
effectively pre-seasons friendlies and a pub team. Speaking of which, are they? <laughs> and, Georgia, no, it's actually two no. pub, two pub teams. <laughs> so we'll do our uh, usual thing where you just say the entire world is a cataclysmic waste of time, and I'll come in and say maybe not. But go on. Any, well, I just think anyone trying to describe that game as confidence boosting needs their heads looking at because it were a shit team labelling to beat an unbelievably shit team in the pissing rain and if not for the fact that Wales desperately needed some sort of evidence that Wayne Pivak wasn't the world's shittest coach ever I'd suggest that we never look at it again or think about it again Do you take any positives from it at all? No, not a single fucking one Not even like Johnny Williams' performance as a 12 well, like anybody that. can, anyone can look fucking good against that yeah, mob. There's that Come caveat, isn't there? We'll see how good he looks when he's fucking standing opposite Owen Farrell next week. <laughs> you know, Georgia don't have a scrum. They don't have much of anything. They they had more coherent attacking play than Wales for large periods of that game, which is quite a thing. But <sighs> like, I thought Callum Sheedy looked all right. He looked, well, he looked like right. Callum Sheedy. He looked. He yeah. was, you know, he switched. You know, switching sides on the attack and. Switching sides on the rock when he was attacking, mixing it up, kicking game was fairly inventive. Yeah. But he, that's what he does, I suppose. Yeah, and it's, it's, uh, and this is and this is the equivalent of playing for Bristol against Ealing in the cup, isn't it? You know what I mean? Or oh yeah, probably it's, worse. It's not more so. You know, it's it's Bristol playing against Clifton. You know, it's <laughs> <laughs> it's Georgia are nowhere near even the team that got beat fucking 43-14 by Wales at the World Cup 12 months ago. They are fucking They did play better than bad. last week. I will say that. They played a bit better than last week, but then the opposition was much fucking worse than last week as well. Yeah, I mean, I will hope... I hope that Wainwright's performance gets his dander up a bit again. Because he, he's I hope so, yeah. I wouldn't, object, they, so. I wouldn't object to him starting at eight next week just to see if he can add a bit of go forward because clearly Pivak's system does not work without some semblance of forward go forward um but like the main thing that like the defense was better but then it was never tried the set piece was better but then georgia are barely fucking yeah. test standard at these things at the moment it was really hard to take anything out of this game beyond it's over but i was really disappointed that you know these lads have been in camp for you know, five, six weeks now. More than that, actually. Probably the best part of two months. And I know it was a scratch team. But all of this sort of people sort of complaining that Wales looked like they were trying to sort of half-play Gatlin's game half the time and then Pivak's... And it, they weren't committing to Pivak's system or whatever. Well, fucking... There was barely anyone in that 23 on the weekend who played for Gatland. Fucking McNichol, mm. Tompkins, Williams... Resamit, Sheedy, Hardy, both them all pivot debutants. Fucking Liam Wynne Jones, Jake Ball, Sampson's Lee were all pivot players under the Scarlets. Like it's not exactly fucking Elliot D, Seb Davis, and Justin Tipperick who were dragging that team back to Gatland tactics, is it? They just didn't. It was a shambles uh, from an attacking point of view. They did not do a single thing that was good in that game. Even that fucking even the try they scored at the end was, was just Reese Webb doing a thing that he would have done for Gatland's Wales. 
And the try that they scored, the Reece Samit one, was just a nice flat pass from Karim Sheedy and some terrible defence. No, I think that's a bit unfair. I think, you know, there was a carry off the back, there was an offload by Williams, there was a fizzed miss pass a bit by Sheedy. It was... But that was the closest they got. That was the closest they got to coherency in eighty fucking minutes no, I mean, against you, the yeah. team that I offered mean, that, no that's opposition. That's the question, I suppose. What what could what could we have seen from this, which would have given encouragement, given what it is? Tries five I tries that looked like, like they were they were from the training park with a yeah. bit of pattern to them. If after eight weeks they can't even sort of do a base, you know, I, I not one point in that game did I see them do anything that looked planned beyond sort of stumbling around behind the fucking gain line, passing it, and then just getting smashed by a bad defensive unit. England could score a fucking 100 points next week if they really wanted to. They could certainly score 50. And I don't understand how Wales are going to get anywhere near beating them. I don't think it's only Georgia, but I think it showed that Jake Ball's pretty important. 100%. That's the thing. (laughs) And there were huge positives from a sort of these are t- players that you should be picking. You know, Jake Ball, Jake Ball should be starting. Elliot D. You know, that front row <laughs> should be starting. Yes. Yeah. Which, you know, are things we could have told Wayne Pivak six weeks ago. But Bob Evans is better than Reese Carey as a scrubbager. Yeah. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, there's plenty of, there were things, you know, Johnny Williams did, you know, go about his task well. I don't think, he, I genuinely don't think he went about his task any better than Owen Watkin did against better. I think for me, it was more demonstrating that at least you've got somebody else at 12 who looks like they can do the job. And I know it's only Georgia and all that, but... Yeah, I'm sure he'll get his chance to show whether he's good enough or not next week. And fair play. And Kieran Hardy Um, are busy enough, but they're fucking shit, aren't they, Georgia? (laughs) This is the thing. Every single positive is caveated by it was, you know, fucking hell, they might have well had 15 training dummies out there at times. And it's not as bad as it seems... But it's not good, man. And England is, are going to absolutely fucking batter them next week. Is in it a a Twickenham of, as well? No, it's Internetly, I think. Oh, right. Which is, oh, I don't even that's. I kind of is, yeah. at least it the weather's not exactly. always constantly hateful in Twickenham. So. <laughs> as as was demonstrated Saturday, where you went from a relatively nice autumn day to. A wall of drizzle, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I, I don't, I don't have any analysis or interesting things to take out of the game. It was beating a team that bad, eighteen nil, was the sort of thing that would have had people calling for Gatland's head twelve months ago. I'm interested to see what his election is actually for Saturday, because he might yeah. decide to go. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. Yeah, it will. We will see. But that, yeah, it, it, a non-game, a nothing game. Uh, I had to, we put, I know, you know, first world problems and my diamond shoes Mm. are too tight and all that stuff. But I had to cover that game as my second game of the day at the Guardian. And honestly, that second half was like fucking purgatory. Having to just write, it was just awful. shitting concrete. It was so bad. Georgia perked up weirdly about minute they 72. Did. They had about, they had about yeah. three minutes like, oh, this seems to be like growing into yeah. this game. That's really and weird. In that time, and then Reece Webb kind of more, killed them. But. Yeah, they showed more attacking pattern and coherency than Wales did at any point in that game when Georgia, you know, they were just, they looked like people who knew where they should stand and knew what they were supposed to do. And I, I still have yet to see any evidence of that from Wales. And it just, it's been eight weeks, lads. 
when are we going to see some semblance of progress? That's all I want. Score a try that doesn't look like it was an accident. Doesn't look like it was just a couple of talented lads making it up on the fly. Yeah, that's <laughs> all I want. Anyway, right then, moving yeah. on. I can't. Obviously, you won't be changed on this. So, um, should we do shit good? Yeah, we, we have definitely eased into it, haven't we? With that, we start yeah. with shit, and that's well and truly put us in that brain space, hasn't it? Yeah, uh, Seb Davis, shit. <laughs> What's the fucking point of him? I only, I feel like Pivat thinks he can make him his Tugburn, right? But Tugburn actually has something about him in terms of the physical and confrontational aspects of the game. Like Seb Davis is a good athlete, but somehow he's a six foot six, eighteen stone powder puff, and I don't understand how he can be that fucking soft. But like, you've got to be a minimum level of hard cunt at this level. <laughs> And he just ain't. He's 24 now, and he's still so shit. I just don't get it. He keeps. He Didn't Gatlin play him at he... eight once? Yeah, Gatlin's played like Gatlin brought him into the squad and went. Well, he can't fucking play lock. He's going to be back row or eight. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, I've just um, had a look at that, and he won't be in the squad again. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's 24 now. Like, it's time for him to start living up to two the years younger than Maro Itoji. I know it's an unfair comparison. But... Yeah. Well, you know, I had people who were Cardiff fans say, you know, when he came through when he was 18, basically saying that's Alan Jones' successor over there. And There's nothing we're hoping, is there? But well, yeah, but in terms of like ta- happened, his yeah. size, his talent, his ability, his athleticism, they looked at him and went, fuck me, this kid's going to be great. And yeah, he's 24 and he has absolutely no evidence that he can cut it a lock at test level. Uh, Quinn Roo's shit eye, Quinn Roo, he's not the answer, is he? No, shit haircut as well. Oh, that Jesus Christ. Inexplicable. That, he should be deported. He should lose yeah. his citizenship for that, but he's just recently <laughs> gained. That's how flimsy it is. I completely agree. Uh, what else we got here? The shit. Hugo Gordon gets in touch. He says, shit, is Fiji's luck. This tournament was more important to them than most and absolutely gutted for them. Yeah, Hugo, as we've kind of alluded to. It's it's just been fucking shit, isn't it? Yeah, God bless them. Yeah, it's fucking shite, isn't it? Um, yeah. Matt gets in touch. He says, shit, there's the All Blacks tweet of that awkward luggage conger. Oh, Seriously, my God. what the fuck was that? Yeah, I mean, why, why, why? Yeah. I mean, for a start, it looked really inefficient. That's the first Usually thing. Usually, it, it was straight out of the fucking shed-sweeping, forelock-tugging, hashtag humble, no dickheads thing that makes me despise the All Blacks, for starters. And also, as you say, just incredibly inefficient, and in the age of COVID... Just really not very good. Yeah, and no, you're blocking the it. fucking payment up. Nobody can yeah. get in. The sun, it's, yeah. Don't touch every single fucking suitcase. And stop like videoing stuff. What do you yeah. say? Same hotel. No, different hotels, same drill. They know the rules or something. I thought they yeah. don't know the rules about fucking COVID contact tracing, <laughs> do they? Other <laughs> uh, shit for me from the Wales game. Yeah. And uh, it's going to be quite controversial. James Ooh. Botham. What? Like, no, well, that's not true. Apparently, he looks ace. Did you know? Apparently, he has a grandparent. Really? Yeah. Wow. Fair play. Yeah. Because every single media outlet has got some kind of fucking software bot just inserts it every time his name is <laughs> is written. I know it was his first cap, right? And I know he did play. He did play quite pretty well, to be fair to him. But 
when you're a six foot two, seventeen stone ex international sevens player, right, and you've got a clear yeah. run at the line with Just... nothing but a scrum off standing in front of you, Get you your pin your head. fucking ears back and you challenge the tiny man to take you down when you're running at full pelt. I know I should give him a break, but I can't. Wasn't that on can... by then as well? And is about yeah. nine stone. <laughs> Exactly. If Ian Evans can back himself, right, and score a fucking try from 50 metres on his debut, then there's no excuse for Ian Botham to not run that one in. I'll tell you what, covering that game as a live blog, I was fucking copying and pasting the fuck out of those Georgian names. (laughs) I had had to have a separate window open with notepad in it where I had the team laid out in position... Yeah. Formation, so I yeah. can actually know who they were. Plus, <laughs> journalism, everyone. Journalism. Oh, yeah. uh, what else we got here? That shit. Uh, Anna Sells gets in touch. She says, "Shit, I'm really bored of broadcast." Anna Sells, who's, who's one of the bravest people I know today, by the way, is Anna. Indeed, agreed. Uh, she says, "Shit, I'm really bored of broadcasters wanking themselves to death over England and ignoring the other nations." If people are watching Wales versus Georgia, for example, it's likely that the game they want to hear about, especially at half time. I think you tweeted or you texted me and joked and said, "Let's." <laughs> you said something like, "If they mentioned England in the opening fucking monologue of this of, of, of the Wales game, I'm well, going to lose all my fucking shit." And they did, well, of course. And of course they did. They, they basically they cut. They had two separate broadcasts. Not a France game. Reason. It was England got yeah. <laughs> a France game. Yeah. And but the, with the Wales game, they had two separate broadcasts running, and rather than just just put the England post match stuff on the England stream, they decided to put Owen Farrell and Eddie Jones getting interviewed at the start of the Wales stream, yeah. and then they cut to Mark Durden Smith, Sam Warburton, and uh, Scott. and Scott and, Sco- and Shouty Scott, and then basically had five minutes chat, and then went, oh sorry, we haven't got time to talk anymore about this game. Sam's got to get off the commentary. And it's like, yeah, because you wasted 20 minutes at the start of this broadcast talking about a match that I might not have even watched or cared about. <laughs> it's just, I get it. They're targeting their biggest audience. But when you've got, like, two separate streams, why do you need to inflict me, like, inflict the England game on me when I don't care? I like Mark Durden Theoretically. Smith as well. Yeah, me too. I know he's a bit hammy, but I like him. <laughs> It wasn't his fault. It was just a pure sort of editorial choice that they were going to go, well, we'll stick all the post-match stuff for the game before in in amongst the game that's going. I know it was... To be fair to them, I don't blame them because there was fuck all to talk about in that game. But, Jesus, it, it, didn't, it just... It's frustrating that it's happening in the same way that it happens on ITV or on Sky or on everywhere else. And... Um, it's just, it's market forces, isn't it? I guess they're trying to appeal to the biggest number of people possible. And, when and they, that's the England audience. When they finally did talk about Wales versus Georgia, it was Scott Quinnell in a van talking about 1972. <laughs> Again. <laughs> Honestly. Um, other shits for me, actually. Uh, yeah. Somebody over the weekend deciding it was free hit November, and I'd love to know why in terms of how many fucking blatant red card headshots we saw over the weekend that refs either got talked out of, missed altogether, or just... I haven't seen the Ulster game. Wasn't the one a few people tweeted? The Ulster Ulster Scarlet's match on Sunday had... Johnny, the Ulster fan, who tweets us, said that. The the ref basically got bullied into making a wrong decision by a non-neutral TMO, which is a great look for the Pro 14 again. Um... (laughs) But yeah, it was a blatant shoulder to the face, a million percent a red card, 
and the, re- the ref was like, that's a red card. And the TMO, who happened to be Irish, was like, oh, I think it should be a yellow card. I think you should, you know, it wasn't that much force, he says, as he runs full pelt into a man and takes him out of the game by smashes his face with his shoulder. Um, but yeah, obviously we had Justin Tipperick getting mm. fucking smashed in the face. And again, the ref just going, well, that's a yellow card to me. And it's like, really? <laughs> have you Have you looked at the framework ever? And then even in uh, the Scotland game... He was dropping in um, height to prick, wasn't he? But I think it was more the motion of the arm, wasn't it? Yeah, the, it was he, like... It's never good when he, when that's the motion of your tackling arm, never. No, indeed. And, you know, the framework is quite clear that the mitigation... You know, if you see mitigation, that does not automatically mean you drop the sanction. It just means that there's some mitigation. And it's yeah. a case of whether the mitigation is enough to rule out the severity of the... And in Contact, fact, I think... Yeah. There's not supposed to be any mitigation if you make direct contact with the head. Is that just with the shoulder, though, or with the arm as well? I, I, I don't know. But again, Jamie Ritchie on uh, Greg Aldrich at the end of the Scotland game, which they were, you know, they were like, oh, look at that big hit that Jamie Ritchie put on. And it was like, yeah, the top of his shoulder went straight into Aldrich's <laughs> head and nobody noticed or cared. I'll I, teach I you not found... to play for Scotland, Gregory Aldrich. It's like I genuinely felt like before this weekend, I I knew what was happening when somebody planted their shoulder or a swinging arm into somebody's face on the rugby field because it's been quite. But this weekend they've just gone, ah, fuck it, lads. It's nearly Christmas. Let's let's not fuck about. Dara Moran or Moran, however you pronounce it, Dara says, "Shit, is Ireland being beaten hands down by England yet again?" Hmm. Linked to that, Ian Bradshaw says, shit, is the Irish back line sitting so deep they needed minus helmets? They were so deep and so unthreatening. <laughs> Robbie, and when they did get the ball, it was like... Because <laughs> 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 gets moving. Which is probably unfair, but it made me smile just doing that. There was a dramatically small amount of pace and threat coming from that back line. If you ran it, because remember when Itoji did his... did his break and suddenly found himself open a few last season and it just sounded like he should be going yeah because <laughs> he moved with such grace and speed <laughs> Aki's a bit different yeah it was the that. opposite of that yeah. Aki and Farrell as, as a centre partnership I don't think there's a future there <laughs> yes uh, Robbie Lee Miller gets in touch Robbie, D, Robbie Lee Miller gets in touch and says shit is Glasgow I have 10 players on the injury list to go with the 11 that are currently with the national squad and we're playing Munster tonight I suppose there's always next year, he says. But where is that score up to now, Josh? Live uh, reporting it, on whether you should be so upset, Robbie. Go. It's half time, and yeah. uh, it's just actually just started the second half. And uh, Munster are le- uh, leading twelve eight, which you know it's respectable. I'd say you, you never know, Robbie. You never know. We won't say anything because we don't want to invite the curse. I've already ruined Hugo Keenan's, but you know, burgeoning international career. I don't want to do anything <laughs> to your game tonight. Alex says that shit is that it's been said before, but the constant clapping, cheering and screaming every time a team wins a penalty or the opponent knocks on. The lack of crowd noise is really highlighting how shitty it is. Yeah. Argentina actually cheered a wonky throw in a line out on Saturday. They did. I mean, England do that a lot. Let's not beat around the bush. Yeah. Anything that... But Mauro was turbo Mauro at times. (laughs) Well, there was that time when he was just like this. 
over the top of somebody <laughs> that when he won a penalty. It was just like explain to the people honestly, what 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 you were doing there. I was basically it, doing a, a sort medium. of shagging motion, which is what he ended up doing. <laughs> Shooting if that was stars, what he was thigh int- rubbing motion. Yeah, I don't know if that's what he was intending to do, but that's kind of what it looked like. Um, I just, yeah, it's he's an unbelievable rugby player, but he's very hard to like in those moments. <laughs> yes, it all is though. I mean, but it's just, I think it's it's like the NFL, isn't it? When there's a break in play after a big moment. It's inevitable that you just kind of let it all out. This isn't going away, you know. This is no. the, this is this, this is, is this generation's this crooked feed into the scrum. Yeah, basically. This is, this it ain't going anywhere. Bo- yeah, this is coloured boots for my generation. I think <laughs> yes. it's like we're just gonna have to live with it. Uh, what else we got here? Where's the beef? Where's the beef? Gets in touch our friend in America, and he says shit is showing my girlfriend the Australia versus Argentina game and hyping up how the Argies were going to cry from sheer passion during their anthem and nothing, nada, nothing at all. <laughs> yeah, but where's the beef? You do have a girlfriend to watch the rugby with. Yeah. So you should fucking wind your neck in. There's plenty of people don't exactly. even have that. Exactly. Freya Goodman gets in touch. She says, shit, we didn't get to see Carbonell come bunny hopping on and wind up the entire Scotland team to the point where they tried to Vern Cotter him. Genuinely fucking fuming about that. <laughs> I'll tell you what I was fuming about as well, the relative sanity of Matthew Jalabert throughout that entire game. Yeah. Not happy about he... that at all. At his moments, but generally was like an international fly-off. And I, for one, am not here for that at all. No, exactly. It's it's. I I I I cannot explain to you how fuming I was <laughs> that I didn't get to see Carbonell on Saturday because I just felt like the, what that game needed was more mentalness. But you know, it's 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 something to look forward to next week, I guess. But look at that! Look at that crop of fly-offs France have got now. You know, you've yeah. got. Probably the best young fly off in the world, and then behind him, you've got various flavors of insane mixed with some competency. I think that's a lovely like that's if nothing else, that's a recipe for us to be very entertained by France for a very long time to come. Unless we forget, Olivon's not playing next week. Step forward, Captain Baptiste. <laughs> this is where we are now, and hopefully Macaloo as well. If Olivon's not playing, can we get some fucking insane athletic? Yeah, insane athletic Macaulay action. That's all I asked for. Uh, finally, on the shit, we've got Deeps, who says that shit is a likelihood that Quinns won't win again now until 2021. The next five fixtures are Saints, Gloucester, Munster, Rassing, and Bristol. Merry Christmas, Paul Gustard, says he. <laughs> I mean, when you put it that way. Yeah. Fuck. Uh, I tell you what, you've realised how... I mean, fair play to Bristol for only just about managing to lose uh, in the last you know, last play of the game on the weekend. Mm. But fucking hell, they have got some problems with that back line. They've got no Piatown, no Morahan, no Harry Thacker, you know... They do have an Adley Loken, and... though, when they did that do. happen. That was, that was news to me. Yeah, he came in on loan, didn't he, when... Uh, when Peter got injured. No idea. They've I'll got... let you turn on set. I was like, what the fuck's he doing there? When did that happen? What? Combination of it, but like combination of international call-ups with Sheedy and Ewan Lloyd and Malins <laughs> and Ben Earl and 
Sinclair and now no Harry Thacker till the new year, no Luke Morahan till the new year. Like this is going to be a serious fucking test of Pat Lamb over the next, you know, if they're not, if they're there or thereabouts by the time they get everybody fit again, could be another interesting year for them, but good time. Bigger. Yes. Good time now. And uh, I think it's a standing item now, but is it, do we, Antoine Dupont again? Do we have to say he's good every week now? <sighs> Even when he does stuff that's crap, it somehow ends up being good. Yeah. When he threw that that's ridiculous pass player. about 200 miles behind everyone, they somehow ended up moving forward 60 metres in the broken <laughs> play he created. And when he kicked that horrible kick out on the full, but basically enticed somebody to give him a, a nudge after the ball had gone and so won a penalty. Yeah, everything it's, he touches is just turns to platinum. He's incredible. It's, and I swear he's becoming rounder. <laughs> and he's so like, fucking strong. I know people keep honestly, saying it, but it there is was that unbelievable. Moment, how there was that moment towards about twenty minutes left where Hamish Watson, like he got bad ball off the base of, off the back of the mall, and a fucking the Mish came up like a fucking exocet. And any other nine in the world would have been fucking de-fucking-cleated on his arse. <laughs> and, and somehow DuPont just fucking sticks his hand out and not only sort of deflects Mish, but pushes him back about four or five metres and leaves him on the turf. And how many other scrum... Like, no scrum half does that. He's unbelievable. He's unbelievable. He's genuine. Like, he's, he's edging into that sort of strata of best players I've ever seen in my lifetime territory. Like, he's getting that good. And touch wood, he's around for another 10 years. I know. How good could he get? And anybody who says that, you know, we moan about rugby, and we do, right? But I can honestly well, yeah, say we are like giddy fucking children at the idea of watching this guy for the next yeah. 10 years, because this is what it's all about. 10 years of DuPont, I'm gonna, this, he's going to break my heart so many times by beating <laughs> Wales on his own. But fuck me, he's good. He's an absolute joy to watch. Galtier's bins are a fucking disgrace, though, aren't they? Is that yes, all about? Absolutely. I think that's not. why him and Clive, Clive Woodward are trying to out bins each other with desperate bins. <laughs> They've all been to Heston Blumenthal's optician. <laughs> They've all been to the young girlfriend factory and took bad <laughs> advice. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, um, good for me then uh, I don't get to say it very often so I'm going to say the Ospreys were quite good this weekend yeah. um, coming back from 12 points down uh, in the second half with 14 men uh, and beating a very tidy Benetton team with the last kick of the game Stephen Myler for life obviously obviously uh, I what I was saying. quiet um, yeah. slightly crumpled proficiency forever is, is, is all the rest of the game he really wasn't very good but when you need somebody to kick a conversion to win a game in the 80th minute fucking step right up son uh, what else we've got that's good here Matt Merritt gets in touch we've mentioned it but he says it is as good as the England women's game genuine edge of the seat stuff France was superb and England mm-hmm. were on the back foot for most of the game before clearing their entire bench on the hour and mounted a I loved back. that by the way <laughs> fuck it I've seen enough all of you <laughs> Get on. <laughs> and Gordon White linked to that. Gordon White says good was Cyril Banet's first try against England women. Mm-hmm. Yeah, beautiful. It was best game of the weekend by far. Yes. John Fox says good is Leicester. Yeah, they question won. mark. <laughs> it was weird. they, but they were fucking nineteen three up after about twenty minutes. 
and and all of a sudden the world felt like it was spinning on the wrong axis. <laughs> Mainly because is it because Ben Youngs wasn't there? Maybe yeah. that's my analysis, and I'm sticking to it. I agree with you. Gloucester, though, man, you've got to love a disastrous start to the season for Gloucester, haven't you? Even though the fact they haven't really got anybody away on international duty or anything. Not no. Johnny May, but, you know. Yeah, they, they're missing Johnny May and, and Reece Samet, I guess, but fucking hell, it's... it's but, I mean, you have got the combined aggregate age of 178, Charlie Sharples <laughs> and Matt Banahan on the wings. <laughs> There's the opposite end of pace and physicality on each wing there, haven't you? It is actually, isn't it? Yeah. Maybe that's... that's some people would call that balance. Now, here's a reason why Leicester played so well on the weekend, because I'd forgotten about this. Ben Youngs wasn't there, but Richard fucking Wigglesworth was. Yes, who's still awaiting his uh, his ban, isn't he? <laughs> of course he is. That was the other... Oh, yeah, we missed that in news, didn't we? But, uh yeah... The the thirteen, according to a, a deleted press release from Bath, <laughs> the thirteen English based players are, are expecting yes. are not being considered for selection at the moment because they're facing bans for their part in the naughtiness. Which you know, fair enough, I guess. What's uh, Andy in Brum says? Good is Wales winning and nilling Georgia, and the Welsh fans are still apoplectic about Pivak. Yep. Yeah, because it was. Have you seen Georgia? <laughs> 18 nil, mate. Fucking hell. A good a rugby person says good is Papa John's are now sponsoring Clarif Blues. Have you noticed this is the, the biggest viral marketing campaign that's ever been encountered? And You've ever got been to set to out. You? Slowly, one at a time, they're just gathering in sponsors they are, for nothing. They are rugby. Yeah, for peanuts. <laughs> and they're also there's a weird thing where they're support they're like Cardiff are sponsored by Uber Eats and uh, the Dragons are supported by Deliveroo because obviously, what's his face? David, David what's his name? To, Buttress, yeah. Yeah, or Just Eat or whatever the fuck it was. The fact that, um, that Uber Eats won't deliver to Pontypridd is yet another example of how Cardiff are not <laughs> representative of the region. Probably. Don't get, me start, don't get me started on Uber Eats. Their selection around here is shit. I literally can't get started on Uber Eats because there isn't any around here. <laughs> Where I, I can't get delivery and it makes me very sad. But that's because there's frankly no interesting restaurants in my weird bit of suburbia, so I don't really blame them that much. We've got an independent Thai noodle place, mm-hmm. which is basically what keeps me going. Cause, and it is genuinely very nice. Yeah. It's called, we live by the River D, obviously, in North Wales, and it's called Thai D. Oh, Thai D. Get it? See what they've done there? That's lovely. That is genuinely lovely food as well. Mm. Uh, anyway, what else we've got here? Good. Ian McGilp says, hello, Ian. He says, uh, Newcastle Falcons are good for winning their first competitive game in 253 days at Bath. They yes. Bloody marvellous mix of pizzazz and pragmatism. Remember when they won at Bath that year they stayed up? Mm. Which was like a dazzling away win. Yeah. You also, did you see the try that they scored to win that game? As he says, a marvellous mix of pizzazz and pragmatism, and I can't believe I was getting annoyed at them on the final whistle for kicking the goal instead of pushing for a bonus point. <laughs> yeah. Their try where they... It was one of the most... It was easily the worst try that we're going to see this season because it was just everyone fucking up and then somebody just falling over on both sides and then somebody falling over the line. <laughs> Everything I, I they touched that, went so. well. They duponted yeah, exactly. it, if you will. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, A and B gets in touch. He says, shit, good. Well, no, he says, good, actually. We're sat, I've got this mixed up. Never mind. He says, is Sam Simmons is finished for his first try? Can't be many number eights who could do that. Maybe Ardy Surveyor. Linked to that, though, Miles Burley says, shit, is the Sam, Sam Simmons bandwagon? Yes, he looks good, but do we need the England debate every time he plays well? No, no. you absolutely don't. Billy Vinopolo starts for England. And to be honest with you, even though he's not playing brilliantly at the moment, you know, until he really starts shit in the bed, that is going to be what happens. So, indeed. Uh, what else we got here? Phil Jones says that shit is Canterbury using Macron sizing on their lions sing lions singlets. There Hard is agree. no way I'm a two XL. Says Phil. <laughs> you keep telling yourself that, um, Phil. Now yeah, you're a singlet I'm, man, Josh. Have no, you had, I have you had a lion singlet? I've, I've, I bought both the lion singlet and the lion's uh, training t-shirt, and the lion's training t-shirt fits me fine. And the lion's singlet, I can barely get on. I don't know what they. I don't know why they think that a human being suddenly loses half of their body mass when they put a vest on. I fucking wish you did. Um, <laughs> Is that but... what you've been buying all these vests for, Josh? <laughs> Be honest. But. Uh, yeah, it's weird that, but you're completely right. Yeah, they fucked it. Finally in the goods, Joe Taring says, good as John Mitchell. Probably fair to say almost no one but Eddie Jones thought hiring him was a good idea, but he's got England's defence treating the opposition like Pretty Patel treats co-workers. Bit of satire, little bit of satire there. Hashtag politics. Uh, uh, yeah, no, he's doing a very good job, but he was always a good defence coach. Everyone was, just thought he'd come he in and like person. piss everybody off and cause a little yeah. divisive rows, didn't they? Because yeah, but, yeah, the, but, but they're used to that because they got Eddie Jones as head coach. So in many ways, <laughs> it was a, a stroke of genius. And that's it. Have you got any more goods before we bring this uh, caravan of cataclysmic nonsense to no, a no, to, really. a, to a close, to a stop, to a halt, as it is? Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you for your support. Thank you for all you patrons and thank you. We've got the team of the 90s. Tiny's coming up. We'll have to talk about this off air because I can't remember when we said we'd do it, but I think we said we'd do it this week. So <laughs> We are doing it this week. I've confirmed that we are doing it on the... We're recording on the 25th of September. That's September? Wednesday. November. Yeah. Right. Okay. Exciting stuff. Exciting stuff indeed. Speak to you all soon, everyone. Ta-da. So 